Hello and welcome back to Kazutena Monologue. In this episode we're going to be discussing Season of Storms chapters 12 through 14 and the 6th interlude. So I think this is really emblematic of the, the weird structure of this book. Uh, well, it, it's fun and I have a little funny name for this batch of chapters, uh, which is uh, Geralt's No Good, Very Bad Week. It's very emblematic. We went from dealing with Sorrel Dagerland and everything at Riceburg Castle to suddenly we're into, you know, cost crunchy weirdness to suddenly uh, on a boat dealing with an entire different subplot with the Aguara. And that's really emblematic that this is essentially just a bunch of shit together, short stories that don't really have a whole lot of connected tissue outside of small stuff. Uh, but within that, we do get a lot of really nice bits. Like, this is, as I said, Geralt's no good, very bad week. He goes from basically being tortured by Sorrel to getting the hell out of there to then being, uh, you know, uh, de dealing with these brigands, part of the, the entire, the, the border post conflict, which we get some backstory on that, that, uh, Emblonio, you know, is, is sort of emblematic of, uh, of the way in which economy runs, that because it has such rich resources, it, he was able to build itself up and become important, but then, uh, to the over, overuse of those resources, the land degraded, and therefore, uh, it slowly died away, and then was chopped up by the neighboring territories of Tamaria and Redania, and of course now they fight over who owns it, and that's, you know, the border post-conflict, as mentioned in the very first short story. But finds himself in the middle of that, tries to stop the brigands, uh, who, who are part of the Redania's uh, side, and uh, gets captured by them. They get cornered by Sorrel Dagerland. They get beaten to a bloody pulp. He escapes, ends up at a, a post office, uh, encounters the remnants of the brigands again. While he's dealing with that, the authorities show up, the Tamarian authorities, then him and the dwarf there, you know, decide, okay, we're going to, we're going to join, uh, join together and travel together. And they, they, you know, uh, Adario Bach is a really cool guy and they get along well, but then they get on this boat and th there's, uh, th everything's not very trustworthy. There seems to be a bit of a, um, no one's quite telling the truth. And then it turns out that they're being stalked by a shape-shifting, illusion-creating, mystical fox woman. And she's after her child, who is now dead. As I said, Geralt, very good, not so good, bad week. You know, just everything that can go shit is going to shit for him. And you can't help but feel a bit sorry for that. I, I, I like the little bits of world building that, that are in here. Like, we open up one of the chapters with an extract about how to make Mahakam potato soup, which then uh, Daria Bach brings up uh, when Geralt's talking to him, to, you know, the the entire, you know, uh, deviation on explaining Emblonia. Um, this is the second time the cats have been mentioned, which we now get confirmation they are witchers, um, that are less than scrupulous and take very dodgy contracts and, and, and do things outside of what Geralt would normally do. Uh, even if other witchers, you know, not Geralt would do things like that, you know, they even go too far for that. And then, like, the, the, the sword that Geralt got in that very fairy tale esque moment a few chapters back just immediately breaks. 
it's a nice little inversion of it was intentionally trying to like uh to 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 get your hopes up and then suddenly smack <laughs> Skowski gives as much as he takes this away and it's a lot of fun uh I, I would say these chapters in particular until we get to on the boat and we start dealing with the Aguara and suddenly everything goes for a much serious deal the these are very funny chapters especially the confrontation at the post office with the the remains of the brigands uh frigga and such Geralt is fighting them off you know there's brooms being used he's taking their swords and throwing them up to the ceiling so they get stuck there it's a very amusing it's a very 1940s action adventure serial errol flynn type um, it's a nice change of pace because everything at Riceburg last time was dark as fuck. So it's, it's a nice little inversion. Uh, and then we go back into the, the more darker aspects when we get to the Aguara. So it's a, it's a nice uh, little tone changer, uh, pace changer, and just allows us to little lighten the mood. While also understanding this is Geralt's no good, very bad week. And I like how everybody just keeps recognizing. Oh yeah, you 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 were at Maribor and you did this. I recognized by your white hair. And Geralt doesn't want to think about his reputation. Not only as a witcher, but as himself. And he he's getting really annoyed with this. And uh, it's quite amusing showing Geralt and that sort of celebrity status. But it's sort of like this monkey's paw of celebrity status because of what his job is and what it entails and what that reputation comes with. Is it's quite fun to see him try and navigate that. I I also like how the Temerian authority, who you would expect, because of our previous encounters with authority figures, uh, in this book especially, have been either corrupt, or they're they're a good apple in a, in a bad system. Whereas the Temerian authority is very kind to Geralt, is the only one that, that actively shows him respect, uh, and respects his work. And it's just this nice inversion of what you expect because essentially they're having a bar brawl and the sheriff walks in, for lack of a better term. It felt very Western. And um, the sheriff is the one to show dignity and grace. And that's just weird and fun. And speaking of inversions, Adario Bach himself is a fun little inversion. Like he, uh, he, he loves music. And he loves engaging in a tale. And whether his tales are true or not, that's another question entirely. But he's not as crass as other dwarves, like Yarpin and, uh, and Zoltan. Uh, and he he even was part of a band. <laughs> and uh, they, they even had a song, you know, March of the Witchers. And so it's a nice little inversion. And when, when Carol's like, I, you know, I expected something different. He's like, you're engaging in racial stereotyping, my dear. And it's very fun. He's very flamboyant. He's sort of not Dandelion, but not Garpin either. He's sort of like a mix between the two. And it's kind of amusing to see that. I, mean, I, I like the little stuff about uh, Prophet Leviota. Uh, we find out that the place where they're they're going to re- get this ship, which, of course, is 
is the prophet Leviota. It's literally named the prophet Leviota. Uh, that supposedly the prophet Leviota gave a speech here, and uh, some sort of importance, and it's become sort of a tourist attraction. Of course, the last time he was here, you know, the people said there was a dragon. So he was like, I'm going to go deal with the dragon. And the prophet Leviota went up to the dragon and got eaten. And then, uh, you know, the dragon proceeded to poop out the remains of the, 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 the sacred divine prophet and everybody who followed him dug out his bones, quote-unquote, out of the shit and reformed it into a skeleton, uh, even though it's just a mixture of random bones, it, not necessarily Leviota's, and it's considered divine and it lies underneath a church in his honor, uh, you know, a sacred, the, the sacred saint uh, thing that, that's pretty prominent in Catholicism. And it's just so bonkers, but it's so befitting. Because Prophet Leviota essentially is supposed to be the Jesus allegory. Um, if you accept that the good book is essentially the Bible in this universe, and I, I talked about that previously, how because of the whole multiverse thing and the, that humans aren't natural to this world, it could theoretically be a... Um, a bastardized version of the Bible that that Prophet Leviota could be doing the the whole Jesus routine, and that's what happened. <laughs> Instead of the crucifixion, this is what happened, and it it, it so fits in with Sapkowski's darkly satirical take on real life history and the fantasy genre, and it provides a lot of laughs. The Aguara, we're going to get a lot more next time and dealing with the Aguara and what that really means and, 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 and you know, what what she represents and how I read her as a character in relation to Geralt. But I think it's interesting that Aguaras are from, I don't remember the name of the tribe, but they come from a Native American tribe in South America. So I think that's really interesting that Sarkowski is pulling a legend that's, that's from you know, far different cultures than his. Um, sure, it has relations to, like, the kitsune of the Japanese, etc., but, like, it's not not the same. Uh, I think it's interesting that they only take elven girls and convert them to aguaras, and this is a uh, very similar to the way the dryads, the dryads uh, turn you, um, you know, into a dryad by drinking of the waters, or they create breathing stock out of men. So I think that's interesting that we have another species that does that. And what else? What 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 kind of thing kidnaps children and turns them into something through magical means? Maybe our profession of our main character, witchers? Food for thought. That'll come in the clear picture next time. Uh, but I, I, I like the, the setting of the, the boat for this encounter and everything we're, we're hearing about it. And in how... The, the the boat crew Im are emblematic of the worst of assimilated races. That Brianna, the, the, the elven mother whose child was kidnapped by the Aguara, she's an elf, and, and they talk about that, but she, one of them makes a comment that, oh, she's lived among humans for long enough, she doesn't really count as an elf. She may be elf by blood, but she's more human. And that, that just stinks of horrible hypocrisy and horrible racism. And it's very classic 
um, you know, a culture. If you're from another culture and you move somewhere, you should assimilate to the to uh, and lose your cultural identity uh, so that you're not one of them. You know that kind of thing, and that that's a whole gross aspect of colonialism. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that Spakowski brought that in and how that befits uh, some of our characters, like Siri, uh, who had to do similar things to uh, after Sintra burned and uh, Geralt, who's never really fit in and stuff like that, and how that reflects on things and how then it ultimately reflects into the way this world operates. Um, the the final thing, uh, because the, the, these chapters are fun, they're not they're not of great substance and all the Iguara setup will come into play later. And like I said, it's, it's Geralt's no good, very bad week. And it's a lot of him stumbling between subplots or short stories, as I like to put it, because essentially this book is a weave together a bunch of short stories that happen, you know, at the same place at the same time, effectively, uh, is the interlude. The interlude is why Season of Storms is covered last. Every time I do something with Witcher-related, Season Storms always comes last. It's not because of release date, publication date, or anything like that. It is because of this. The interlude and the epilogue and a few other things take place 130 years later. As we follow Nimue. Yes, that Nimue. The Lady of the Lake herself. The one who helps Siri, who is a uh, scholar of the, the of the story of the Witcher and the Witcheress. On her way to Eratusa. To study to become a sorcerer. And we know exactly where that that is going to lead. I I think it's interesting that he takes the time, out of all this time, to explore this side of this character that we haven't seen. We saw her as a kid, learning the story. Then we saw her as an older, uh, you know, at at, at her tower, you know, doing her Lady of the Lake business, uh, hiring Codweamers. And then we saw her again in her university days when uh, she has the encounter with Siri, which caused her to become obsessed with it. And we're going to learn that that was not her only encounter with this legend. And, um, you know, it, it's nice to see how the world has progressed. She sees uh, that there's been a lot of focus in this book about the local area and the charcoal burners and uh, local industry and, and economy and how that feeds into local behaviors and concepts, she effectively has a encounter with an oil rig. The Industrial Revolution is happening now, uh, at least the first beginnings of it. And so this world is going through a new change. Uh, and the economics of her world is different, and yet things, while different, still have a similar veneer to it. Uh, and that maybe helps her in her journey to becoming obsessed with the witch and the witcheress. If this legend was so prevalent in her time, and her time is a changing, she would want a sign of how things got better. It's the same reason religion is popular, the sense of our world, etc. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting parallel. And I, I, I find it interesting that he chose now, not the beginning of the book, not 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 the end of the book. Well, he will come back to her at the end of the book, but in the middle of the book, in the middle of the the entire Guarda situation, going uh, and we're going to connect now to Nimue. 
Uh, I think that this is very interesting. Uh, as he says himself, as he himself says, this is a sidequel, not a prequel. And while well, I understand his reasoning for it, I think this is the evidence I would point to for it being a sidequel. Um, whatever you want to call it, uh, I do think it's interesting. It's a bit of an odd structural choice, but I think it... it it provides a sense of kick in your pants of you're getting complacent. You know Geralt's going to make it out of this. You know that the this is all picking up on small threads mentioned in the saga from the border. Uh, we're just dealing, we just went from a few chapters dealing with the border post conflict, as mentioned in the first short story, to suddenly dealing with a side character from the future from the last book. It, it's a kick in your pants of complacency uh, to engage you as a reader. I, I it's an interesting, odd choice, but I think it was a smart choice on his end. But we shall pick up next time as we deal with the Aguara and how she relates to Geralt and everything. And there's a lot of really interesting ideas thrown out. And the Aguara, it's worth noting, uh, was actually separated out in by Dark Horse Comics and made its own separate comic outside of the influence of Season of Storms. Uh, and it's interesting how they have to deal with the fact that he doesn't have swords. They have to write an entire subplot to get rid of his swords in that because they're not d using the, 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 the whole Sisters of Storm situation. So it, it's it's very, very interesting from a writer's standpoint how this can be ripped out and only small changes have to be made. But uh, we will see the conclusion of that and a lot more meaty thematic stuff next time. Till then, see ya. Bye. <laughs>